Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program, and hopefully there'll be less coffee than last week, but you never know what happens in a big city. If you're wondering if anarchy is all about, an anarchist society is a society without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You create a society without rulers by creating institutional structures which give people equal decision-making power, and direct democracy is one mechanism by which you can get equal decision-making power and you give people access to the society's wealth, not just those who are born on the right side of the blanket or inherit wealth or through a bit of good luck and a little bit of hard work acquire wealth. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast via the Community Radio Network. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3CR .org.au, a number of websites you can look at if you're interested, anarchismedia.org, anarchismedia.org, public interest before corporate interest, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net, uh, my Facebook page if you're interested, Toscano for Pipsy, which is public interest before corporate interests, and the list goes on and on. There's the Tanaminuwe Mobile here on the website, tanamall.org. And uh, so there's a lot of things you can do. And if you're not computer literate and you want to know what's going on, you can listen to the program. Or you can always write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Yes, I do answer phone calls. It can take a day or so before I get back to you, but I will get back to you. The number is 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. And you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And I actually tend to read the stuff that people put their name to and usually ignore anonymous stuff, but that's the way of the world, isn't it, you know? I mean, uh, Dutch courage is not the type of courage that I've got much respect for. Here we go. Let's move on. So, the issue of the day. Why is it the issue of the day? The issue of the day. I mean... You would think we're living on Mars. Since 2010, since 2010, and I'll repeat it again, since 2010, issues have been raised in the public arena 
regarding at what's happening in Dondale in Darwin. It is common knowledge. In May 2015, the Northern Territory Government passed legislation which legalised what was happening at Dondale Juvenile Detention Centre in Darwin. The pictures that people saw on Four Corners were available to many players over the years. A number of court cases where the Northern Territory Government has been sued have been going on for years regarding what's going on at Dondale. So what happened three days ago is not new. Every member of the Northern Territory Parliament, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, and there's over 20% of parliamentarians in the Northern Territory Parliament are Indigenous, knew what was happening at Dondale. They had retrospectively in May 2015 passed legislation to legalise it. So why does this type of activity continue to exist in Australia in the 21st century. Why? And it's very simple. Because there is no protection in the Australian Constitution for the individual against the arbitrary exercise of state power. We've had a number of cases, high court cases, which have shown that the Commonwealth of Australia and state parliaments can indefinitely detain you till the cows come home, irrespective of whether you've been charged or not, irrespective of whether you're an Australian citizen or not. Every Australian who somehow thinks that we have some type of constitutional protection, whether it's the right to vote, the right to freedom of speech, the right to association, needs to think again. That's why parliaments at the state, territory and federal level can continually pass legislation which not only restricts individual liberty but which tortures individuals, which treats individuals, whether they're children or adults, whether they're detained offshore or onshore, in the most criminal fashion. It is done legally. Like the corporate sector legally pay no tax in this country, they pay voluntary taxation. Parliament, if it has a majority in both houses of parliament, can pass legislation which marginalises, ostracises individuals and groups of individuals because of the colour of their hair, the colour of their eyes, their political opinions from the niceties of life. Arbitrary detention, detention without trial, it's all possible within the Australian Constitution because the Australian Constitution has no protection for the individual. There is no individual protection from the arbitrary exercise of state power. I'll give you an example. Now, I've spent the last 18 months on eight court appearances which resulted in, I felt, a reasonable... um, Result for me, but not for the Australian people, to see whether we had a right to vote. Now, Australians don't have a constitutional right to vote, and this was argued 
you know, up and down through the court system. We don't have a constitutional right to vote. We have an implied, a restricted implied constitutional right to vote, which is not an individual right, but it's a generic right. So Parliament has the power to remove that right as far as groups of individuals are concerned. It could be redheads, could be Muslims, could be bikies, whoever Parliament feels is not fit to exercise that right can have that right legally, constitutionally removed. So there is no universal suffrage in the Australian Constitution. Freedom of speech. There is an implied right to freedom of speech during an election campaign. There's no right to freedom of speech in the Australian Constitution. There's no right to withdraw your labour, to go on strike in the Australian Constitution. It is a criminal offence to withdraw your labour outside an enterprise bargaining agreement period without a vote being taken. All this whole process you've got to go through. It is a criminal offence and you can lose your home and be jailed for withdrawing your labour. And obviously if you can't voluntarily withdraw your labour if you're unhappy with the situation you're finding, you're little more than a slave. So when we hear and see what is happening in the Northern Territory, which has been common knowledge, common knowledge for years, abuse that has been legalised by the Northern Territory Parliament in 2015 retrospectively. It's all very easy to point the finger and say, racist jailers. It's all their fault. Obviously, these individuals have personal responsibility for what they have done. But more importantly, what they have done is legal under Northern Territory law. 100% rigidigi legal. And let's not forget, at the height of these abuses, our former beloved Prime Minister, Mr Tony Abbott, took on the mantle of Indigenous Affairs as his special, special ministry. And you'd seen pretty pictures of him going walkabout, you know, in Indigenous communities. Pretty pictures of Tony Abbott. And let's not forget, this is not something that just happened yesterday. It has been happening for years. It has been condoned for years. It has been supported for years. Juvenile, juveniles, whether it's in Victoria, where we've got the same issue to a lesser degree, or whether it's in Northern Territory, Juvenile criminality has been a wonderful drum for gathering votes and creating the climate in the community to throw away the key. Mandatory detention. Throw away the key. Forget about what's happening. So we, yes, we are all personally responsible. This wasn't some dark, deep, hidden secret. 
This was something which was known to everybody, which should have been known to everybody. Think about it. Think about it. And the problem, I've got no problem with a Royal Commission, but the problem is they're going to make the terms of reference so narrow, so specific to the Donvale Centre in Darwin that we're going to see a little light shined on the institutions, the people, the commissioners, the judges, who we can, the parliamentarians, both at the territory and federal level, who were complicit, complicit, and many in many instances with their with their eyes wide open, complicit in what was what in what was happening. And as I'll say again and again and again on this program on the Anarchist World this week, if you think you have protection from the arbitrary, constitutional protection from the arbitrary exercise of state power, look at all the legislation that's been introduced in the past decade and which continues to be introduced this week in Parliament which removes the very essence and basis of the foundation of this sovereign nation state. And to a large degree, this was a political decision to use juvenile offenders as political cannon fodder to get the country Liberal Party elected in the Northern Territory. And now we are seeing what happens. Because ultimately, ultimately, what is occurring in the Northern Territory and what is occurring around this country ultimately is due to corporate greed. Because you need to incarcerate children when you don't have the social service network via which to deal with dysfunction in the community. You don't have the resources. The only way out for the state is mandatory detention and incarceration. And because for so long, so many transnational corporations and locally owned corporations in this country for so long have been aided and abetted and assisted by parliaments across this country that have allowed them to legally pay no taxation, use this country's human resources use this country's infrastructure and not pay for the privilege while forcing everybody else to pay for the privilege of using their assets, their institutions, their structures. So what we are seeing now is the harvest, the stunted harvest of 40 years 
of globalization, corporatization, privatization and deregulation. And the tragedy is that the people of this country have re-elected a government which continues to push their ideologically driven privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, deregulation agenda above everything else. And while this continues to be the major preoccupation of not only the government of the day, but the opposition and most of the political parties in this country, we will continue to harvest Dondale at an individual level, at a community level, at a national level. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Descartes and I'm hosting today's program. Just in case you're interested, just in case you're interested, and just in case you find yourself in Melbourne on the Friday the 5th of August, why don't you join us, public interest before corporate interests, at 11.30am on the first Friday of the month at Federation Square. And at midday, march with us to the headquarters of the Murdoch conglomeration. The headquarters of Australia's 24-carat corporate leaners. Because, see, it all fits in nicely, doesn't it? It all fits in nicely. You get a spate of crime. Little spate. Magnified to the high heavens by the corporate-owned media for its own commercial advantage. The community throws up their arms in horror and says, we want a solution now. Now. What happens? Guess what happens? Parliament falls into place, mandatory sentencing, harsher sentences, and the list goes on and on. And it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And all we are doing is creating a larger and larger and larger underclass that has no interest, no say, no future. And what do you expect this underclass to do? You expect them to lie around and wait for the promised land? Well, there's no promised land. It doesn't exist. Some people may think it exists, but it doesn't exist. Wait for pie in the sky? Wait for heaven? doesn't exist. You may think it exists, but I haven't actually spoke to anybody who's come back to tell me how lovely it is. So think about it. Think about it. As I keep saying, 23 million people living on a continent, resource-rich continent. Why can't we address the most simple and basic of problems? Because parliamentary power has been usurped by non-accountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for the major shareholders 
not their mummy and dad investors, not their mummy and daddy investors, but their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. They don't give a shit. As long as the bottom line continues to increase. They don't care what type of society we live in. For example, simple example, the growth of fascism or neo-fascism around the world, whether it's Mr Trump in the United States, whether it's our own, you know, fascist wannabes in Australia, whether it's what's happening in Austria or Poland, Britain or anywhere else around the world, this direct rise in fascism as an attractive and the key word is attractive, mass political movement based on the ostracisation of the other is directly 100% related to corporate greed and the domination of the parliamentary system by corporations and the inability of our representatives to act on our behalf. It is 100% clear, 100% clear, whether it was the 1920s when we saw the rise of fascism as an acceptable, attractive, mass, ideological, political movement in Europe, or whether it's the rise of fascism around the globe today is directly related to the increasing inequalities that exist not only in this country but around the world. And this, these inequalities are directly related to the fact that over the last 40 years during the dereg... And I'll use these bloody words again. During the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, revolution during this revolutionary period for the corporate sector where they've actually been able to put their mark on each and every one of us, on each and every community, on each and every so-called independent sovereign nation-state, that what we have seen is an increase in inequality. Forty years ago, two-thirds of the wealth created went to the people creating that wealth, those who actually did it with their hands, providing services or goods to the community, and one-third went to the investment class. Forty years later, post the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation revolution, one-third goes to those people using their hands or their brains to create wealth, and two-thirds goes to the investment class and the investment class around 15% of the Australian population has been aided and abetted by parliamentary legislation which puts the future of investors before the future of people who provide goods and services in this community whether it's through negative gearing whether it's through you know, superannuation rorts, all legal, all legal, whether it's through legal tax minimisation programs, it's all legal. 
And that's the dilemma we face as a community today. And as somebody who ran in the last parliamentary elections in the electorate of Dunkley in southern Melbourne and could only garner 1.27% of the primary vote, I think it's 1,200 people, something like that, it is quite interesting, not disillusioning, but interesting to note that most Australians, given a choice, still believe that their future is directly related to the future of the corporate sector. Most Australians still believe that deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation and globalisation will give them and their children and their children personal security. And it's no accident that this is the prevailing ideological position held consciously or unconsciously by most Australians who think it's the corporate sector which generates wealth. Because every day, on every corporate-owned media outlet, whether it's in the virtual world or the, or the legacy media, every day we hear the same holy mantra. Every day. And that holy mantra is globalisation, allowing sovereign nation-states' borders to be taken down to allow multinational corporations, you know, to uh, hawk their wares in this country is the right thing to do. Corporatisation, destroying the mixed economy. What's a mixed economy? A mixed economy is when you have assets which are owned by the state, public assets, and assets which are owned by the private sector, normally corporate assets. And this is continuing competition in the marketplace. And you find that while some assets are owned by the state and some are owned by the private sector, you have competition. But when you use that word privatisation, when you sell publicly owned assets which are not owned by the people, they are owned by the government of the day because they can buy and sell those assets on your behalf. When you sell those assets, you close the gate to competition. So why are so many people unhappy with the private banking sector and the financial sector? Why are so many people unhappy with the privatised transport? Why are so many people unhappy with utility companies, whether it's gas or electricity? Or privately owned corporations that own privately owned highways? Why are so many people unhappy? Because there's no competition. Prices continue to escalate. And when people like Morrison, a potential future Prime Minister, we're told, the current Treasurer, stands up and says that the problem isn't privatisation, that privatisation doesn't lead to the creation of monopolies, which is something we've been saying on this program for decades, that all you need is government regulation in order to maintain 
government regulation in order to maintain competition in the marketplace, you realise what a load of crap it is. Because everybody's reality is different to the government rhetoric of the day. But let's not forget the Australian people in their wisdom and who am I, who am I, you know, some piddly little broadcaster on some, you know, community radio network, who am I to question, question the wisdom of the Australian people who love to read the Murdoch garbage every day and think of it as gospel truth, who am I to say they're wrong? They have chosen. They have made their bed and now they can lie on it. And every person on a disability support pension, every person on an old age pension, every person on a new start allowance, every person on a single parent's benefit, who dragged themselves to the pole and voted for the Liberal National Party, has only themselves to blame. As we see government legislation after government legislation being put in place, which will remove what few rights you have, which will ensure that your benefits will continue to be eroded. It was very interesting. Last week in Victoria, we had a little talk fest. Well, I wasn't invited, and I'm sure you weren't invited. I don't think anybody listening to this program would be invited to the little talk fest. It was uh, organised by the um, Chief Police Commissioner, and good luck to him for organising it, because of a spate of uh, youth crime, especially in Melbourne's northern suburbs and southern suburbs, south, south I think south eastern suburbs, a spate. And one young man got up and he said, 16, it's amazing how wise some people are. You understand, understand. And he said, it's easier to sell drugs, it's easier to steal than to go through Centrelink. Now, a very important statement Because part of the program that's been implemented by successive federal governments to discourage people from applying for benefits they are legally entitled to is by making it almost impossible or very difficult to access those benefits because of the amount of paperwork, the amount of hoops you have to jump through. This is done through legislation. It's not because the person behind the desk or the person you're trying to get on the phone who you can never speak to is some type of evil-minded criminal because all they are doing is they're just going through the piece of paper they've got or the screen they've got in front of them, which tells them what hoops you have to jump through. And those hoops were created by federal parliament. And if you can't attack beneficiaries directly, you attack them indirectly. And the legacy of that is to create bigger and bigger holes in the social security system, which allows more and more people to fall through those holes. Now, a lot of people have this thing about welfare, and it's usually those people who aren't on welfare, that somehow it's 
wasted money, wasted time, wasted on the wasted. You know, that's their philosophy. Everybody should be out there working for $6 an hour in some grubby, non-unionised workplace. I mean, that's their philosophy. And that somehow the social security welfare network is evil. Evil incarnate. It is bad. Really bad. Almost as bad as bulk billing doctors and solicitors who work for legal aid centres. Not as bad as them, but almost as bad as them. It is bad. Evil. Well, I wonder if these idiots, who are now wasting money on security, getting, you know, cameras installed in their homes and gates set up and burglar alarms and the list goes on and on, I wonder if these idiots ever understood that the concept of a social security network with no holes in the social security net was designed not only to provide a basic income for those people who find it impossible or even who are unwilling, you know, to participate in the system and the rest of the community. It was to provide security for each and every one of us. And obviously, as inequality increases, the amount of personal security you need to access in order to secure your assets increases. And if you're very rich, it doesn't really matter because you can employ a personal bodyguard. You can put somebody at the front gate. You can do all these things. They're all tax deductions. But if you're part of the emerging, you know, the shrinking middle classes you got a problem. So everybody who finds themselves, you know, in a, in a, in a middle-class situation who pisses on and carries on about the welfare burden needs to understand the social security net is for each and every one of us. You decrease inequality. You decrease the reasons for criminal antisocial behaviour. You don't eradicate it. But you manage it. You make it manageable. Think about it. It is just such basic crap. It doesn't take... You don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar. You don't even need your HSC. It is basic human crap. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Homelessness. Wonderful, isn't it? Winter, midwinter, coldest winter ever in the state of Victoria. That's the state I'm familiar with. And obviously homelessness is a national issue, not just a Victorian issue. So what does the government, the Labor government in Victoria do? What does it do about homelessness in Victoria which is becoming an increasing problem as homelessness is in every other state in this country. What do they do when there are increasing numbers of people camping out, sleeping rough on the streets? No longer couch surfing, not enough couches, but sleeping rough. Men, women and in some cases children sleeping in their cars. What does this wonderful intelligent group of people do. 
they hold an 18th month inquiry. That's right. They don't ask the people who are homeless. They don't ask the people who are involved in the homeless industry, and there are thousands of them involved in the homeless industry. They hold an 18-month-long inquiry to somehow push the topic off the front pages. Push it away. Hide it. We're holding an inquiry. Hold your horses. We're holding an inquiry. Hold your horses. We're holding an inquiry. Hold your horses. We're holding an inquiry. Come on. The answer's simple. If an idiot like me, right, and I have been called an idiot by many people, if an idiot like me can come up with the answer, I'm sure all these intelligent people, which have been elected by the people of Australia to represent their interests in the Victorian State Parliament, or the people of Victoria, I should say, not Australia, I mean, it's simple. You've got escalating housing prices. Home ownership has dropped by 7% in the last few years in the state of Victoria because of increasing problems accessing the money you know you've got a period of stagnation in wages right so if you're lucky enough to be working full-time and most people are working two or three casualized jobs but if you're lucky enough to be working full-time and you can make an application to the bank it's very difficult to get the money to buy a house which was worth a hundred thousand ten years ago, which is worth three hundred and fifty thousand today, and wages have an increase sevenfold in the last ten years, while property sorry, yeah, well property prices have. I mean threefold I should say. Wages have wages have increased about seven percent in the last ten years, and some people it's actually dropped. But housing prices have increased threefold in the last ten to fifteen years in Victoria. So obviously If people can't get their foot in the private marketplace, they need to rent. And if they can't rent because of limited income, they're homeless. So what do you do? What do you do? You build public housing. You don't privatise public housing by giving it to religious-based and private-based organisations to run for you, you know, and call it community housing with the big clicks next to the community. You build public housing. Now, in Victoria, every time a property is sold, the government, if it's a million-dollar property, the government makes at least $90,000 in stamp duty on that property. And there are many properties which are selling for a million and more in this state today. So in Victoria, because of the property boom, the coffers are full. So what you need to do is you need to build public housing. It's very simple. You've got people on the public housing list. You build public housing, not just for emergency housing, but as an alternative to the privately owned marketplace where people pay 25% of their income for the security of living in public housing. It's very simple, but we've got an ideological, you know, uh, ideologically it's not right, it's bad, it's evil 
to use the word public for the people, of the people. The word public has become almost, more so, almost a four-letter word. Well, it's a six-letter word. I mean, no, it's a six-letter word. It's a four-letter word in political and social discourse. Public housing, public health, public education, public infrastructure, public industries, hmm? public utilities, public banks. They talk about competition. Why shouldn't I have the choice of where I put my money? Or what institution I choose. I remember when Qantas, there was Qantas and TAA. I always flew Qantas because I knew the money generated would go back to the taxpayer. When the Commonwealth Bank was actually owned by the government of the day, I would bank with the Commonwealth Bank. That was my choice. So the profits would go back to the taxpayer. When Telecom, the forerunner of Telstra, was owned owned by the government of the day, I worked with Telstra. That was my choice. Today, while they talk about choice, they have removed choice and created monopolies by privatising public assets and giving privately owned corporations free reign. Total free reign. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scar. I'm hosting today's program. You want to talk to me? 0439 395 489. Leave a message. I'll get back to you in a day or so. That's the best I can do. If it's not good enough for you, bad luck. If you want to write to me, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Go to my Facebook page, put in a pleasant message, make a comment. Toscano, the number four, PIBCI, P-I-B-C-I, which stands public interest before corporate interest. Toscano, number four, public interest before corporate interest. I'm not going to answer you in two hours, but I will answer when I get round to it. Again, it's, it's, you know, as an individual, there's only so much we can do. And this is why, for the last 15 months, I have been involved with public interest before corporate interest. This is a group of people which is trying to create a social movement. That's right. We don't start, you know, a social movement, you like that, with a political party, with a registered political party, both at the state and possibly the Commonwealth level, public interest before corporate interests, which actually looks at the issues and takes up, not only looks at, takes up these issues. It's all very well complaining, as we saw in the Northern Territory, you complain for six years before a Four Corners program goads people into action, which should have been happening five to six years ago, when these atrocities first became public knowledge. So, what happens? You need to join public interests before corporate interests. Well, you don't need to. We'd like you. We need 500 members on the electoral roll. You don't have to be on the electoral roll to join public interest before corporate interest. We are keen to register as political party in the next six months or so. We need more members who are on the electoral roll. 
So if you want to become a member of public interest before corporate interest, you want to stop bitching and carrying on and ringing up talkback radio and fuming and, you know, uh, going pink and waiting for the next election or whatever, you know, whatever, you're sick and tired of this roll call of disasters in a nation of 23 million people living on a continent. You're sick and tired of all. And you're sick and tired of division politics where the enemy is the other, the enemy is the Muslim, the enemy is the black, the enemy is the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, the enemy is, you know, the gays. They're the enemies. You know, if you're sick and tired of those type of political movements which seem to be increasing in numbers over the last few years in this country, you know, the children of corporate greed, as inequality increases, what you see is people turning on each other, knifing each other, thinking the other is the problem. I mean, let's look at the 457 visa question. Who passed legislation to introduce 457 visas in this country? Parliament passed the legislation. If people overseas take advantage of that legislation to work here, it's not their fault. It's the fault of us who have allowed Parliament to pass that legislation to provide cheap, docile, non-unionised labour for the corporate sector. And that's what 457 visas were about. There were about two things. One, to help the corporate sector get skilled workers here, absolving them of the responsibility to train Australians to take those jobs. Because if you train Australians... It cuts down your profits. And your investment class isn't happy if your profits fall. So you bring across labour. And more importantly, you want labour that's non-unionised. That's what you want. You want labour that's non-unionised. And that's what the 457 visas gives you. And I've spoken to a number of large business owners regarding and said, why have you removed your Australian workforce and replaced them for 457 visas? And they said simply, well, they come an hour earlier, they leave an hour later, we don't pay them for the extra two hours. And most importantly at all, we don't have those pesky union delegates and reps coming to the work site, giving these people ideas that they actually, we owe them something. So that's the issue. Do you turn on each other or do we look for who the major problem is? And the major problem is the domination of every aspect of our existence by the corporate sector. That is the major problem. That's why public interest before corporate interests has been formed. And that's why every week I spruik the benefits of you joining such an organisation. It doesn't cost anything. And if you're not on the net and you can't download the application form from pipci.net, you can always ring me and leave an address and we'll post you out that application form. And if you've got a few friends who've got the same ideas, maybe you could ask them to join public interest before corporate interest. And before you know it, we'll have enough members on the electoral roll to register as a political party and be involved in political discourse. That doesn't stop us working as a social movement in between.
which we are. And it's about raising these ideas constantly. Constantly. Because remember, the Australian people chose to elect the Liberal National Party and all those other parties that love to turn on each other, you know, love us to be fighting amongst ourselves based on our religious differences, based on our racial differences, based on our cultural practices, based on the language we speak, based on our gender, based on our gender orientation. It's all good as long as we keep fighting each other and ignore that those people that have put us in this situation, corporate greed, and that's what public interest before corporate interest is about. It's about turning the tables, turning the tables, not tomorrow, but today. And the beginning of that journey comes when you are willing to make that commitment. Obviously, every organisation has weaknesses. There is no such thing as a perfect organisation. There are no perfect leaders. There are no perfect organisations. We're all human beings. We're all tinged with mortality. But, but there are some organisations that are worth supporting. There are some causes that are worth supporting, others that are not. All right, let's move on. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, if by some chance you find yourself in Melbourne on the 14th of Sunday the 14th and uh, interested in the West Papuan Independence Movement or want to become a member of the West Papuan uh, Independence Movement Rent Collective, well, there's a big do on. Three days a year, uh, there is a West Papuan Rent Collective uh, gathering at the West Papuan Independence Office, which we pay the rent for at 838 Collins Street, Docklands. That's right. Nothing but the best for our West Papuan friends. 838 Collins Street, Docklands. If you come round the back, there'll be a big gathering of people there. The West Papuan activists and supporters are members of the Rent Collective and non-members of the Rent Collective. This is a great way to meet like-minded people. 1pm 1, 1 to 3pm, Sunday the 14th of August. Join us. Uh, everybody's welcome. You want to see what the office is like? Come along, have a look at the office, talk to the activists, make up your mind whether you want to join the Rent Collective. $1 a day, $30 a month, $365 a year. You know, it's very simple, very simple. Join the Rent Collective. You can do it anonymously. You can do it in one hit. You can do it monthly. It's up to you. It's very simple. If you want to learn more about the Rent Collective, I can send you out an application form. 0439 395 489 or email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com And lastly, I'd like to end up with this call for a plebiscite regarding marriage equality. Now, it's really fascinating. It is really fascinating how everything seems to be pushed aside. Why do we need a plebiscite regarding marriage equality. Why spend $200 million on this little exercise, which actually has no bearing? And that's the key. A plebiscite is an indication of the thinking in the Australian population at a particular 
point in time. It has no constitutional or parliamentary validity. So if the people of Australia support marriage equality in a plebiscite, it does not mean that Parliament will have to pass legislation supporting that sentiment. And it doesn't mean that Parliament at a future date can't remove marriage equality from the statute books. So instead of asking for a plebiscite, we should be asking for a referendum on marriage equality. Because if a majority of Australians in a majority of states vote in a referendum for marriage equality and the cost of a plebiscite and the cost of a referendum is exactly the same, exactly the same, that decision is incorporated in the Australian Constitution. It becomes a new plank to the Australian Constitution, which means no parliament can remove that right from an individual without going to another referendum. So while everybody in the mass media is talking about plebiscites, we should be talking about a referendum. Once and for all, fix this question regarding marriage equality. Noxious debate or no noxious debate, put it in the Constitution, end of story. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting today's program. Interested in joining public interest before corporate interests? Download the application form from pibc.net. Don't have a computer? Don't despair. Write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052 for an application form. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. Go to the Facebook page, Toscana, the number four, Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I, which is public interest before corporate interest. New Facebook page. Let's see what the World Wide Web gets up to. Don't forget, the 5th of August, 11.30am, Federation Square in Melbourne, marching to Murdoch headquarters at 40 City Road on at midday on uh, Friday, the 5th of August. Don't forget the 14th of uh, August, and the list goes on and on. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network next week. And don't forget, this program is podcast. If you've missed any of it, go to the podcast, 3cr.org.au. That podcast address again, 3cr.org.au. And remember, to make any difference, you need to pull that finger out. Don't lick it, hold it up in the air. Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday 
Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.